Hello. Hello. And welcome back to Tacos and Tequila. I'm Peyton. I'm Sydney. And this is episode 14. Woo! I get so excited every time we say a number and it just keeps getting bigger. <laughs> bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, we're just going to keep going, folks. So, <laughs> hopefully, the end of... y'all keep coming back. <laughs> Until the end of time. <laughs> well, um, I don't have a lot of things to cover before we kind of dive into this. Do you have anything interesting to say? No, I'm sure I'll come up with some bullshit to say later, but... Okay. Peyton picked a good one for you today, guys, so... Dive yeah. right in. <laughs> <laughs> so today we have a little treat for everyone, and it was something really interesting I personally learned while visiting the city of New Orleans, and it actually caused me to do my own research and send the, an article on about it to Sydney. If anyone has seen photos of what is known as the United States' most haunted city, you absolutely have seen pictures of the cemeteries there. One thing that is very prominent and noticeable, which differs from most cemeteries throughout the U.S., is that the pictures you see are primarily of the mausoleums and above-ground vaults or tombs. Lots of people speculate it has a lot to do with the fact that New Orleans was originally a Spanish territory, with heavy Spanish and French influences still remaining around the city today. Although this is partially true, it is actually mostly due to the fact that the city is located below sea level. Normal graves, as anyone listening to this probably knows, are dug at six feet in depth. But unfortunately, New Orleans, because of where they're located, has a maximum of three feet depth that you can dig to bury a body without fear of the grave becoming waterlogged. It is interesting to note that the majority of burials in this city are actually above ground. One article I found stated that's approximately 90% of burials above ground, which are still the highest in the United States. Although the above ground cemeteries have a fascinating history, today we'll actually be talking about one of the cemeteries where 99% of the burials are below ground. It's called Holt Cemetery. Holt Cemetery is also known as a potter's field, which is a burial place for paupers, unknown persons, and criminals. It was officially established in 1879 by Dr. Joseph Holt, who is an official of the New Orleans Board of Health and whom the cemetery is named after. Its original purpose was for the indigent people in the area, basically. And for the first 80 years or so, this was solely used to bury those who the indigent from various psychiatric hospitals and prisons. This eventually also turned into a city, city cemetery used for those who do not have the means to bury their loved ones for the above ground vaults. Sydney, I know you got sidetracked when you were looking into this. <laughs> Did you look at anything about like about the above ground vaults in New Orleans? Very minimally, because I was more looking at the bones and dead people that I could see that were below, <laughs> were below ground for several hours. And then I was more concerned that these fucked up things I could find on the internet. And then I just 
stopped everything I was doing and was like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> well, since you didn't know, uh, those above ground vaults are extremely expensive. I learned on my tour and we visited several uh cemeteries and we started off they kind of even told us we'll start off at the cheapest and we'll end up at the or we'll start off at the most expensive and we'll end up at the cheapest and the one of the cheapest is Holt Cemetery actually it is uh considered (laughs) one of the cheapest in the world on how to bury your loved ones those above ground cemeteries and mausoleums can cost anywhere from tens of thousands of dollars to literally millions of dollars. <laughs> um, That's insane. But like, I don't feel like I'm really surprised by that. Cause even to get like a nice little plaque or like a headstone for somebody is like several thousand dollars. Yeah. I think some of this very, very small, like above ground tombs are like, Twenty to thirty thousand dollars. It's insane. And it depends on which cemetery you're in. Some of sure. them are more expensive. So you have to pay for like the plot, and then pay for to actually get it thrown in there. The upkeeping, I don't know, all the other yes. random <laughs> requirements they make you pay for. Also, just on a side note, since we're talking about this, I also learned so much about that and. They're basically, like, condos or family tombs, so you could literally have, like, generations of people in there. Yes. yes. A lot of people in there. (laughs) Yes, which I feel like is very, I don't know, I guess, how it is down there, but, like, because, you know, up in, like, the Midwest, do you see mausoleums, like, in cemeteries very often I feel like there's occasionally a couple and it's more of like a hey I have money look at my mausoleum and they're usually (laughs) really old like there are people from like the 1800s early 1900s and there's several people that are in there but I feel like nowadays at least in the midwest area or in Wisconsin let me throw that in there I feel like they're not as common there's just like the family plots where yes I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, like, I don't know anyone personally or that I can even think of in a mausoleum here. But you'll see them in cemeteries. But like you said, it's not like a whole cemetery like that. No, no. They're very so, few and far in between. Yeah, so it was very, like, it's very creepy seeing pictures of the above ground cemeteries. It's even creepier seeing pictures of Holt Cemetery. (laughs) Originally, when founded, it was about five and a half acres. But in the early 1900s, it did grow to seven acres. (laughs) I found archived newspaper articles from the early 1900s. And even back then, it was like 1908, 1909. They were discussing closing the cemetery and shutting it down since it had overgrown so much and had exceeded maximum capacity. Now, that was more than 100 years ago. The cemetery is still active today, and new burials are still happening almost 150 years after its inception. In the very back of the cemetery today, you can still see the remains of a small brick building, which used to be a self-serve crematorium, 
that was in service up until the 1920s. And I laugh because, honestly, that's just so morbid to think of. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And you said it was um, in service until when? The 1920s. Okay. Because I was thinking back, I guess that would be... If you look at, like, funeral history or the history of death, you know, like, back in the day when people's family members would die and then they'd, like, have a funeral in, like, their living room? No. Their oh, yeah. So, I guess, like, if it would have been that, that would have been, like, late 1800s, probably early 1900s. So, I feel like that wouldn't be uncommon, but it's really bizarre to think, like, oh, yeah, let me uh, bring this dead person <laughs> over yeah, to the crematorium. I can't imagine being the one to, like, shove my mom in a crematorium and set her ablaze. No. But I also couldn't imagine having, like, a funeral in my living room. This is true. Different times. Weirdos. (laughs) So most people in this cemetery actually aren't even laid to rest in coffins at all. They are kind of just simply buried there. There are some pine... Like very basic coffins in there, but I'll kind of get to that in a second. The headstones are not of those that you traditionally see in a cemetery, they include various homemade markers. So they're made from fencing, PVC pipe, plastic, cinder blocks, wood, and other various items. And there are quite a few coping graves here in the cemetery, which I had actually been unfamiliar with until my visit, and I actually saw what they look like. Essentially, a coping grave is a marker of that entire gravesite where the body is buried. It's There are borders with like a frame, and it's filled with pebbles or stones, and it helps mark the entire gravesite so the body may not be disturbed in the afterlife. Ideally. We'll say ideally. There's a giant oak tree in the middle of the cemetery where one can see various relics given as spiritual offerings, which is very common with the practices of voodoo. Uh, I will mention this just because I learned a lot about voodoo (laughs) visiting uh, New Orleans. And essentially, it's like portrayed in Hollywood as like something dark and creepy and weird. But they're just like any religion there's many facets to it and a lot of it's rooted in like good beliefs and they have a lot of similar saints as catholicism so very similar to like santeria beliefs and the city is literally like the voodoo center of the united states i also found on the city's page regarding their cemeteries and According to this page, Holt Cemetery actually ceased being run by the city in the 1960s and is now kind of independently run. I don't really know what that means, though, because the city still owns that cemetery. It's still operating. It's still running. And no one else independently owns the cemetery. How does the city just... How are they able to just decide, like, no, that's not ours anymore? Like, all these people got buried there when it was ours, but now, like, we're not going to... I don't know how that works. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. So, the city corner sounds like in the 1960s moved to, like, a different 
potter's field, essentially. And they abandoned that. They stopped burying, like, the unidentified or indigenous people there. Indigenous. Indigent. <laughs> I can't say this word, apparently. Um, people there. And so they that's apparently when they decided they don't run it but i have more fun facts on that soon <laughs> fine so, to this day because the city doesn't lay claim to it it's not maintained very well uh grass is often overgrown not taken care of there's lots of trash there graves aren't maintained and bodies are still being triple and quadruple buried with strangers at a minimum. Some people speculate most of the graves have been dug and have dozens of bodies in them. There are estimates of how many bodies are located in this cemetery, but no one truly knows. In fact, it's estimated there are more bodies in here than there should be in a 10-acre cemetery, and this is seven. Did you see how many graves per the internet they say that there is? I did not. 2,391 per the, per the internet. That's, that's how many graves they have accounted for. But that doesn't mean that if they buried 12 people in that, that plot, so I don't know what 2,391 times 12 is, but I think that's what I'm getting out of this. Huh. I took it as that was the amount of, like, plots that they have. Yes. I could believe that. And um, I saw it. You know, I didn't go. We didn't go inside. We kind of stood at the gates and looked around. We took pictures. And uh, I'll I'll get to how you feel when you're there in a little bit here. But uh, looking into it, it was very eerie because... There are just, like, headstones and, like, memorial things literally on top of each other. So there's no, like, plot plans. It's just if you can find a spot, you bury someone there. In 2014, actually, the city was granted, so this is funny that the city doesn't lay claim to it, $450,000 to maintain and update the cemetery. It was very run down. It's a huge cause for concern for more than 100 years now, how it's been maintaining. It's slowly been uh, becoming quite a mess in there. It's very sad. And after Hurricane Katrina, which I'll get to again in a few minutes here, but after that, it was just even worse. And they needed to kind of maintain and update it and nothing no upkeep had been really been taking place but the biggest thing that came out of this four hundred fifty thousand dollars was they basically put a ton of street lights throughout the cemetery i visited at night it is extremely bright you can see the entire cemetery in the park in there uh they basically hoped that this would deter people from doing unsavory things at night in the cemetery such as various satanic or voodoo rituals that have been reported to take place there often prior to this. From homeless people wandering in and sleeping there, because there was a lot of homeless people sleeping there throughout the 70s, 80s, 90s, and even the 2000s. 
and any other criminal acts that were happening after dark in the cemetery. There was one article that really kind of got me on the cemetery and the history of it. And that was the one I actually sent to you first, Sydney. It's on the American Scholars website, and it's called New Orleans Vanishing Graves. It heavily focuses on several people, but one of them they talk about is the cemetery gravedigger. And this man actually started working there through the city in the 1980s, but he now currently receives no formal compensation or benefits from the city. His name's Warren Ernst. I'm guessing that's how you say it. Essentially, after Hurricane Katrina happened and the cemetery, a lot of people left the area. The cemetery was in a spot where it was heavily flooded. And because of that, not a lot of their workers returned. Prior to Hurricane Katrina, I think they said they had about nine people on staff for the cemetery. And that was like not just the cemetery that they would work at, but they would perform maintenances, burials, things like that. Warren actually works there still to this day, even though he's not paid by the city. He's paid cash by the families to dig graves by hand with a shovel on his own in New Orleans. And I don't know if anyone realizes anything about the South, but it is hot a lot of the time. So he's out there doing manual labor uh, for cash. Since the cemetery has reached an exceeded maximum capacity several times, he will search and find older graves that have not been maintained, uh, assuming that there's no family or relatives in the area any longer. He'll actually dig up the grave, dig up the bones, put any of them in a garbage bag, And either place them back in the hole or if they are in a pine coffin, he puts them back in the coffin. And then the new body is put either in that coffin or in that hole. It's illegal to remove a body from a grave without without any of the family's consent. So this is kind of the loophole to keep burying bodies there. The city actually keeps no formal records of the burials in the cemetery even though they are legally obligated to do so. So but the again, city doesn't run it, remember it. This is why the city is not involved. So this this is why it's so funny, because they recently have appointed a new, like, director of cemeteries through the city, and part of that person's job is to address what's going on in Holt Cemetery and how to correct this issue and what they can do moving forward if and their options essentially so like her job centers around the cemetery is a big part of it but they don't lay claim to it on their website so that's why i thought it was super interesting i had to include it (laughs) that whole thing is like probably i mean i'm not on her side okay but like an out of sight out of mind thing like i do not want to even get started on all this fucking shit because It's already such a huge, so many people have already gotten dug up and reburied with a new buddy. How many times? Oh my gosh. So, and the big issue is they, she kind of, from the American Scholar article, she's in there as well. And she's interviewed and she basically, her idea is she wants to shut down the cemetery. 
you can leave it as is, but stop burying people there. They have quite mm-hmm. a few cemeteries that are no longer accepting new burials. Which I feel like is sure. pretty normal. Definitely. Uh, we uh, ran out of space. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. But part of the issue is that because it's such a low budget place to bury bodies, uh, it's like I said, it's one of the cheapest in the world. And they don't they don't know what an alternative cheap option would be moving forward for people who don't have the financial means to put someone in a $25,000 mausoleum. They could just restore the cremator in the backyard. <laughs> so her suggestion is trying to create a new potter's field. But I guess we'll have to see if they end up doing anything because, like I said, this has been in discussion since the early 1900s. So they just keep ignoring it and the city keeps ignoring it and it just keeps getting worse. During the summer of 2020, so last summer, in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, the burials in Holt Cemetery basically doubled what they had previously been because there was no real alternative in the area. And, uh, you know, people were financially hit during the pandemic and they needed to bury their loved ones in the cheapest way possible. It's also very important to note that due to the shallow graves, (laughs) in case anyone hasn't realized, (laughs) this was going to come up. And before I even continue, Sydney, do you know why a big reason people are buried six feet below ground? So their bodies don't come up and rise to the surface. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Um, So several reasons. One, help like mask smells of decomposition. There's no access to like the sunlight. But if anyone knows anything about how the earth works, (laughs) there's this thing called erosion. Right? So when you're getting tons of rain, things underground tend to push up. Ground on top tends to, like, kind of slowly chip away. Especially when you're in, like, an area that gets tons of rain and storms and is below sea level. (laughs) In New Orleans, they have a maximum depth of three feet you can dig. Max. You can't get that six feet. It'll be completely waterlogged and you're literally digging a pond at that point. So when heavy rains and storms come through the area, the cemetery is prone to flooding. Definitely leaves a surprise for the neighbors because, uh, or anyone visiting, because yes, this is literally in the middle of a neighborhood, the cemetery. There are homes all surrounding this area in a school. And essentially bones just get pushed up. You'll it's very often common to be walking around and you can find human remains and bones. There was is so many creepy. So many pictures that I saw where it was like it looks like they were like pebbles or like rocks and then like if you zoomed in, it was like a fucking chin bone or like you know the bottom of somebody's teeth and I'm like what the fuck is like their jawbone like what the fuck is going on right now yeah it's super fucked up 
And so I mentioned Hurricane Katrina. During that time in Katrina hit, that was one of the areas that definitely got hit with tons of water and flooding. Uh, according to the tour guide, and I don't know how accurate this is because I didn't look this up specifically, but the city of New Orleans, depending on where you were, had anywhere between 2 to 30 feet of water. This was in one of the areas that there were very high water levels. And so they have like an iron fence, like most cemeteries have, around it. But what's happening is, one... Human remains and bones can fit through those, like, because it's not solid fence, right? And two, the water levels are raising above this fence level or did during Hurricane Katrina. And so when that water level came down, there were human remains everywhere. It was, They were all scattered throughout the cemetery. They were all scattered on neighbors' lawns. It was, like, it was super messed up. And... I don't know how they resolved it because I couldn't find anything about it. So I didn't, it wasn't Holt Cemetery, but I had seen like how they were solving that issue for like another cemetery when that had happened during Hurricane Katrina or like some of the more like well-known ones. And it seemed like it was the biggest like game of Jenga I've ever heard of in my life. Like they were trying to compare with like what caskets were open and like how far away people were they were trying to call family they were trying to like figure out so like let's say you buried your grandpa with like a blue suit on like going back and trying to call family members and figure out like what they buried their relatives with i was like what the hell that's so fucked up so for like this yeah so like for this you know those are like well-off people you know rich people getting buried in these mausoleums and stuff that these mausoleums cracked open so to get buried in this like potter's field where these are more low income you know they can't afford to bury their family members and a lot of unidentified bodies Yes, so I think that, like, they probably might have uh, tossed them, buried them, and just, like, threw them all away. And they might have buried all of those bones back in a mass grave. I have no idea. Probably. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean. Yeah. That's sad to think about. Well, on a different note... (laughs) I have a list of, like, some famous or infamous uh, cases and people that were or are buried in this cemetery. So, there are several famous jazz and blues players buried there, mostly in unmarked graves, including, and I don't know any of these three names that I'm going to list. I just want to preface this. Uh, Jesse Hill, Babe Stovall, and Charles Buddy Bolden. Buddy was actually nicknamed the father of jazz. He was buried in an unmarked grave after he died in 1931 in a state hospital where he was living, getting treatment for schizophrenia. So a lot of psychiatric patients were buried there back in the day. But in 1988, there was a headstone erected in Buddy's memorial. So As long as his bones didn't wash up somewhere, 
he is still buried in that cemetery somewhere. They just have no idea where. Uh, That's Robert, insane. Right? <laughs> Robert Charles, who was centered in the 1900 New Orleans race riot, was also buried here briefly, but his remains were removed by his family later on. Are we sure that they were his remains? So, <laughs> I think so. I have no idea. I'm going to guess yes, because it was pretty early in the cemetery's history. <laughs> so, it was like uh, and half it said his, his remains were removed and incarcerated. Half of his, half of somebody else's. Half of his. Incinerated, his. by the way. <laughs> and I was like, damn, he got a. He died and then he went to prison? Ooh, late night recording sesh again. <laughs> Literally, I'm starting to get wacky. <laughs> I just finished a Red Bull. <laughs> oh my god, I would die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in 1973, there was a fire at a club in the city. It was known as the Upstairs Lounge. And this was essentially a gay club. It was definitely a purposeful arson attack, and it was perpetrated by a man who had actually been kicked out of the bar earlier. Up until the Pulse nightclub shooting in 2016, this is actually the deadliest known attack on a gay club in the United States, which I had never even heard of this before I visited the cemetery. 32 people died in the fire of this club, and four of whom were never identified, and they laid to rest in a mass unmarked grave here in Holt Cemetery. It is speculated, because that was back in the 70s, that the families of these men did not want to come forward and identify them since they were found at this gay club. So they laid to rest there for all of eternity, which is pretty sad. That's so sad. Yeah. Okay, well, moving on from the sadness part. I guess the whole history is kind of sad, actually. But I will move on to the ghost stories. So I will preface this with saying I didn't find anything, like, specific or, like, specific accounts or, oh, we see these ghosts here all the time. But according to many beliefs and many psychics who have visited the cemetery... They believe it's the most haunted in the entire city, which says a lot because they have a lot of them. This sounds like a place that if I saw anyone else walking in it, I would just assume that they were a ghost. Oh, same. A hundred percent. Anyone. Doesn't matter who it is. Any person. Oh, they're, <laughs> they're definitely not there. They've got to be dead. Well, you got to think spirits here are like never truly laid to rest and their bodies are constantly being disturbed, which... Could definitely cause some paranormal activity. Just have roommates with like 11 other people that they didn't literally in their whole life. It's like a whole freaking poltergeist thing all over again. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. <laughs> I like bringing it up for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> so people who are buried in the cemetery may not have had the best upbringing um, or life or death. Um, since it was originally for a lot of unidentified bodies, could have been 
victims of various crimes that were never identified. A lot of people from the psychiatric homes and prisons, their spirits may have never had time to resolve that work and they couldn't leave the earth. So sometimes they tend to haunt where their bodies were laid to rest. People who have visited at night have seen shadows, disembodied voices, screams, and other various things that definitely felt spooky. There is also often singing heard, which I saw like several accounts of and thought it was very creepy to picture (laughs) or hear. (laughs) And lots of like ghostly pictures have been captured, you know, with various orbs or light anomalies constantly being popping like popping up in these pictures also there are lots of reports of feeling like something is reaching out to touch people visiting or multiple accounts of like tugging on shirts and turning around and nothing or no one is there Ooh, spooky i don't know i'd freak out and get out of there but (laughs) uh There's also a really overwhelming feeling of sadness and hopelessness being there, which, like, I can tell you I felt it, and I don't know if it's just because, like, you know the history or you're learning the history, but, like, just looking at it and standing there, it was, like, a very overwhelming feeling. I've never really experienced stuff like that before. That's spooky. Yeah. It was really creepy. Also, may I add, because the cemetery has, like, goofy hours, don't they? Like, they're only open, like, 8 in the morning to, like, 3 o'clock. And then, like, on the weekends, it's a little bit longer. So are all these paranormal activities that are happening, like, during the light hours? Well, I guess it's always late now that they have streetlights, but. So, no, they're happening at night. And... I mean, I read an article where someone went to, like, a psychic performed this ritual with, like, a Tibetan monk there visiting in, like, 2008 or something like that. Because, like, people were still getting in up until those streetlights. Like, they still had, like, homeless people sleeping there at night and, like, stuff like that. So, people were still getting in there. That's true. I guess people do whatever they want anyway. Nobody follows the rules. Yeah, I heard my tour guide when I was there, I mentioned last week, uh, he basically said anything you could imagine someone would do and wouldn't do in a cemetery, he's like, they, I've literally had people do on tours, which is why they stopped going into actual cemeteries. People, like, he said people steal stuff. He's caught multiple people, like, having sex there, which is, like, what the fuck? At night in a cemetery while you're on a tour. That, like, what is wrong with people? It's so disrespectful. Don't even... <laughs> gets me so angry and worked up. And then, like, people, like, urinating on graves. Like, it's super fucked up. Did you have any other, like, ghost stories to add or anything you found before I move on to my final little tidbit? Um, no ghost stories. What's your uh, final tidbit, though? Any, like, murder investigations or criminal activities linked to this? Okay. <laughs> so, 
I tried very hard to find stuff, which is like what I will also say with this. Uh, I dug through archived newspaper articles. I tried, I read a lot of them. (laughs) I couldn't find anything specific in regards to murder investigations. But the reason I looked this up is because on the tour, my tour guide mentioned that it is a very cheap place to bury a body. And due to that, there are tons of murder investigations linked here, including ones as recent as like the last five, 10 years. Essentially to bury someone here, you just need the cash to do so and pay Ernest, Warren Ernst, (laughs) don't know how to say his name, Uh, a shovel if you're not doing, if you're doing it yourself because you can literally just dig a hole wherever you find one and bury your body, a body and a death certificate, and nothing in truth really can be or needs to be provided to prove that the body of the person being put in the grave is that of the actual name on the death certificate. Back in the old days, there were a lot of investigations linked to the cemetery, and like I said, still one's popping up today. And I can't imagine that that self-serve crematorium would have had a great cover to getting rid of bodies or insurance fraud. Like, (laughs) that's fucked up. However... I did find articles from the late 1800s and early 1900s of stories where bodies were discovered and unidentified, and so they were just buried there. So I have a couple listed and wanted to bring them up. One was a man who had died of asphyxiation, and that was, like, actual list of cause in the article. But... (laughs) They presumed he had fallen in a ditch drunk, and they never identified him. I was like, okay, so that guy was probably killed and murdered on purpose if he died of a situation, and you just thought he was drunk and fell in a ditch. I don't... I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, Um, that doesn't make... That doesn't add up at all. Not at all. I, like, was like, that... Literally, in my notes, I write it, and then I wrote in all caps, SKETCH. (laughs) Like, what the fuck is that? And then there's one where a man who was, like, known in town, and they... I think he was a barber, is what they listed him as, and he had been known to be an alcoholic and was, like, on a huge binge and then apparently dropped dead from... an apoplexy have you heard that phrase in like old cases no <laughs> okay so What's I've the heard it. give me the give me the not the medical term <laughs> for it okay so i heard i've heard of it but then i googled it to see like what it's considered now so like they actually don't really even use this as like cause of death there are like rare diseases that are like have the name apoplexy in it but essentially that would be like listed as a reason of death for like a heart attack or a stroke nowadays. So like they just think it was like internal bleeding. So they think this guy a super alcoholic binge and then just like had a heart attack or stroke and died. And even though he was buried like known around town, he was buried there. And then there was another one I found. This is the last one I'll mention, but 
where a guy who <laughs> was found in the river drowned floating outside of like a coffee shop or a coffee house and they couldn't identify him they did find like matter of death to be drowning and they buried him here but like there was some guy who had been missing that his family reported missing so after they ended up hearing the description of the body buried here they went and had his body exhumed and did identify him and then took his remains out and buried him in like a different catholic cemetery with the family but like this guy was literally when he went missing, he was, like, out taking a stroll to go see the steamboats on the river. And they think he had, like, a mist up and just fell in the river and drowned. Holy shit. And I'm like, yeah, first of all, people can do that? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, just walking along. Oh, fell, drowned. The 1900s or in 1800s were wild times, man. I don't know. <laughs> Very true, though. That's also very true. Some wild shit happened there with some crazy deaths, I feel like. But the reason I, like, brought this up, because I was like, man, how many people, like, did they just pull out of rivers and, like, a hundred years ago, 150 years ago, like, oh, can I identify them? Like, I mean, people, you know what I mean? Word of mouth is really just how you get that. Or there was no, like, social media or, like, even now a lot of police forces all across the U.S. don't communicate very well, but how could you report a family member missing if you never heard from them again? They never wrote another letter in the 1900s. It's just sad to think about. That's why I had to include it, because it was just this huge depressing thing for me. Very, very depressing. But I will end my little blurb here on criminal activity on a lighter note and by lighter note I mean I suggest something a little more comical (laughs) so as can be imagined there are lots of stories of grave robbing linked to the cemetery one woman as early as 2017 would visit the cemetery after recent storms and collect any human remains found washed up around the grounds and then post it online for sale. But to be fair, she bargained and traded for it. She didn't actually sell the human remains and she only made people pay for the shipping. She was eventually apprehended and charged with grave robbing. And her argument was that she didn't actually dig and rob any graves she was just walking and found them but I believe she did get convicted (laughs) but I was like this lady is so dumb (laughs) just minding my business I found some pebbles I decided to pick up turns out to be a femur well and she did it on purpose so like what the fuck and then lots of people have collected bones here just to have just to have as a collection or to use in like various spells or voodoo rituals. It's just like, it's got a very sad, dark history here, man. I don't know why anyone would ever just pick up a bone off the ground and take it with them as like a collectible. I don't know if you people watch like those scary movies where like weird like things happen when they buy a random item from the thrift store but I feel like a lot 
weirder shit would happen if you bring someone's fucking femur home with you. Sydney, it literally stresses stresses me out so much. I'm like reading this shit. And I I couldn't believe it. I can't believe that people literally what in your mind possesses you to think I'm going to take this human bone. You don't know what's connected to that. You don't know what kind of person they are. You don't know what you're opening yourself up to. I don't know, man. I don't mess with it. Makes no sense at all. But also, to be fair, I also don't like messing with, like, Ouija boards. Like, I don't want to mess with anything that you don't know what can happen. In the spiritual realm. I'll say in the spiritual realm. Because, like, how am I supposed to protect myself from a ghost? Or a demon? Like, get some holy water? That doesn't always work. You know what I mean? I've seen movies. (laughs) The holy water will not always (laughs) save you. So, yeah. That was my rant about that. Sorry. It's just so, like... Word of thumb, people, if you're in a cemetery and you find a bone, you probably shouldn't pick it up and take it home. Absolutely not. Like, I mean, just thinking no. about, like, legality terms, right? Like, oh, from a sure. legal standpoint, don't take it home. From, like, a spiritual protect yourself, don't take it home. <laughs> from even just, like, a... Imagine if that was, like your relative and you knew that some random little asshole picked up a bone of theirs off the ground like it's not respectful don't be a little jackass literally don't go to the graveyard if you don't know how to act well that is all i have do you have anything um i got a joke and a fact but (laughs) nothing else about the holt cemetery I okay. mean, I could I could tell you if you want to hear about mummified bodies that I ended up no. finding. No, I didn't think so. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is I have never, I mean, I understand that everything, you know, they say everything you do, it's out on the internet and all kinds of crazy shit's out on the internet. But I never thought that I could find myself on a Saturday morning. Digging through the Google Images searches to look at mummified bodies and bodies that had gotten, like, dug up. And let me tell you, they still look like people, and it is scary as fuck. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, though. I don't want any of that. That is what nightmares are made of. I probably look up that weird shit for fun. Um, But... (laughs) Like, unsuspectingly, like, stumbling on those pictures, that's, like, very nerve-wracking. It's pretty fucked up. Okay. Well, folks, I will just end this with the history and information on Holt Cemetery. It is creepy. It is eerie. It is sad. It, but it is very spooky, If you ever visit New Orleans and go on a ghost tour, highly recommend finding one to see it for yourself. Also, check out social media because we'll post the pictures that are wild to look at. None with mummified bodies. (laughs) So I keep those to myself. Yeah, we don't want to traumatize any of you like Sydney was traumatized. It'll probably get reported on Instagram, honestly. (laughs) 
okay, true. Also that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I mean, I just thought it was such an interesting history with the crazy story. Very uh, morbid. So I thought it would be fitting to cover. Hopefully y'all like it. Well, enjoyed the story. <laughs> I'm sure they will. Okay, hit me with a... I need a joke first. Like, let's get out of this. Let's hit with a joke first. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Why was the tortilla scared to go skydiving? Why? Because he had Vertaco. Vertigo. (laughs) Vertigo. Vertigo. I was gonna try and not laugh. Vertigo. I was literally holding it in to see if you would say it a bunch of times. <laughs> I can keep saying it. I did have to think what you were trying to say first, but that was a good one. Well, because I wanted the taco to be so vertaco, but like vertigo, vertaco, vertaco. Okay. It depends on how you say it, I guess. <laughs> vertaco. <laughs> I wonder how many times I can let you say it before. Vertigo. 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 Okay, now it's funny. <laughs> you said the same in a bunch of different accents, and I think it's funnier. Vertigo. 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 Okay. I like that one. <laughs> Tell it to your Hit friends. Hit me with <laughs> Hit me with the fact. <laughs> Alright, so I thought this was a fact, and then I got confused. So then I didn't really feel like it was a fact, and then I went back to it and was like, ah, this is a fact. So, you can <laughs> I'm find... So, I'm so confused with what just happened. <laughs> okay. I found different years, so it doesn't... Let me, let me... So you can find these everywhere now, but the first ever taco truck to come about was in New York City, but the years, it says, some things say 1966, and others say 1974. So the first taco truck originated sometime between 1966 and 1974 in NYC. Of all places, really. Yeah. I did also read an article that it was, like, invented by two housewives, and then I read another one that said it was just, like, some guy. So, a lot of misleading information. (laughs) The internet lies. (laughs) Yeah, it's really hard to do research sometimes, folks, (laughs) with conflicting dates. Literally. But it's interesting, at least to know, it's like NYC in, like, the 60s or 70s. That's, like, really, it's weird to think about. It's super weird, especially, like, for how common, like, food trucks are nowadays. Like, that appeared to be, like, the first food truck that originated, too, was, like, taco trucks. Yeah, or, like, of all places, New York City. (laughs) Yeah, when I think of New York City, I think of, like, those little uh, food stands they have. Not necessarily, like, food trucks. Yeah, and aren't they usually, like, hot dogs? And then, like, I think of good pizza. But, like, that's not fair, because, like, Detroit-style pizza, Chicago-style pizza. That's true. That's true. Little Caesars is from Detroit. What up? (laughs) Little Caesars. Yeah. Interesting. Well, folks, the more you know. The more you ver taco. (laughs) 
All right, y'all, it is getting late. Sydney and I are clearly a little loopy here. I need to go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) I have not even eaten dinner yet. (laughs) I gotta go eat. (laughs) Insane. I'm ready Um, for dessert. Oh, but before we hang hang up, (laughs) before we go... (laughs) Uh, before we go, I wanted to give everyone a heads up, Sydney and I, because we are taking a fun little trip this upcoming weekend for us. It'll be this past weekend when you guys hear us It for 4th of July. We want to do something fun. It'll also be our 15th episode, so stay tuned. It will probably be a little shorter of a one. We're taking a fun fringe 4th of July trip. And we're going to do something fun, but very different. So hopefully y'all like it. You tune in next week and tell us what you think. And find us on social media. (laughs) Yes. Instagram. Oh. Oh. I mean, I guess I should know. You go first. I go second. Category is names. (laughs) Facebook. Tacos and Tequila Podcast. Instagram, Tacos and Tequila. Slide into our DMs. We love to see it. We want your suggestions and um, comments, questions, concerns. Praises would be great. (laughs) I've had a lot of uh, suggestions, suggestions this past week. So thank you to everyone that's finally taking me seriously in life. I appreciate y'all. Yeah, apparently Sydney just had to threaten all of you this past week. <laughs> a couple last times. Episode, and uh, you took her seriously. But yeah, we love to see it. We want to. We want those ideas and suggestions. It means the world to us that you guys will uh, give us some cool things to talk about. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, at that note, we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.